The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In the past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Good afternoon and welcome to The Career Confidant. We're happy to have you here today. This week, well, I guess we've been having a little bit of a leadership skills series. Last week, we talked about our unconscious bias and leading diversity, dealing with diversity. And this week, we're going to talk about a tool that helps increase your emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence has been a very hot topic recently in the career world, at least in Forbes and Inc. They've been having articles about how intelligence is important and skills are important for future careers. And most of those include emotional intelligence as one of the top skills or types of intelligences needed to succeed in future, the future career world. So as things get more crazy out there in the world of careers and things change faster there are certain skill sets that will allow you to be employable as you move forward, regardless of how the world changes, how jobs change. And emotional intelligence is pretty consistently listed as one of those skills. Emotional intelligence can be a little bit intimidating for people to to think about and talk about. My colleague I was talking to about this topic um, does an assessment and it looks at 26 different areas of functioning for emotional intelligence. And a few of my coaching clients have done this assessment with her. And although it seems eye-opening, it's also been a bit um, in the face, in your face, right? It's, it's, it's very important for us to realize where our shortcomings are. And yet it's, it's challenging for most people. And we were talking about this topic and, you know, what could you do? What tools do we have to help a leader improve their emotional intelligence, to help someone be more effective at dealing with emotional situations? And she reminded me of a tool that I learned in graduate school. It's, it's a counseling tool, but it's one of the simplest communication tools And I think one of the best tools, because it's all about taking control and accountability, responsibility for your own actions, not worrying about anybody else's actions, but taking responsibility and control over your own actions in a situation and how you reacting differently and 
and choosing how you react can impact your emotional intelligence, therefore your relationships with others and your success at work. And I would say that that's probably one of the biggest changes in the work world is the importance of of how you're seen, how you're perceived, and who you have relationships with. One of the biggest changes I've seen for my clients who tend to be technical in nature is that they are no longer judged based just on their technical qualifications. Technical qualifications used to perhaps get you further than they do today. Today, you have to have a combination of not just those technical skills, but of your your network, your social capital, if you will, who knows and likes you, who wants to work with you, what do customers think about you. All of those factors are, are so much more important today in your success. And in fact, an engineering company that I've done some work with, a adjusted their performance evaluation process a few years ago so that only one out of seven items in their performance evaluation process has to do with technical competency. The other six items all really boil down to, can you work well with others? Do you play well with others? And uh, six out of seven items for engineering and engineering leaders are focused on those criteria, not on technical competency. So this is something that is definitely becoming more and more prominent in the work world, that your ability to resolve conflict, to interact with others, to address issues in a way that is healthy is going to determine your success. So One of these tools that I want to share with you today is called transactional analysis. Sounds very psychological, but it's really quite simple, and we'll spell it out for you here today. Transactional analysis was developed by Eric Byrne in the 1950s, so it's been around for a while, but it seems to be very little known in the leadership coaching world. I don't hear people talk about it that often which is sad because it really is a very simple tool. So this tool suggests that our behavior patterns develop over time as we're as we receive input and and validation of our feelings and how we act and that they develop into three separate states. And he talks about these as ego ego states but it Don't worry, we're not going Freudian on you. So these ego states are different ways that we react to a conversation based on our parenting messages, childhood conditioning. So the first is our parent. And parent, pretty easy to think about what the the parent is for or what the parent is the parent is an uh, either a critical person who's kind of standing there pointing their fingers at you, or it can be the nurturing parent who, who brings you, you know, chicken noodle soup when you're sick. So we look at these parent characteristics as, you know, positive and negative, and, and every 
aspect of these ego states has a place in our conversation. Parent is something that we're taught. It's, a, it's something that we learn. It's when we're teaching, perhaps we come from this place of either nurturing and being positive or, or spoiling, perhaps going overboard there. And then the controlling side of that is, as I've said, that critical parent and also a positive there in terms of structuring our life, right? Your, your parent helps you provide structure in a positive way. When it gets overstructured, it becomes that critical negative side of parenting. So that parent, again, four parts, nurturing, positive, bringing you that chicken noodle soup when you need it, spoiling, it's an overboard of that nurturing parent can go to that negative place. The other aspect being controlling, either structuring in a positive way, helping build that structure for our life, our day, our work. And when that goes awry, it becomes that critical parent, that negative place. And you can imagine, especially the the critical parent there, some of the language that goes along with our critical parent might be that we're you must, you should, we're getting out of control in terms of, of conf, um, controlling someone else's behavior, um, being overly critical of their work, their input, whatever that might be. That nurturing parent, again, on that positive side, taking care of others, being list, that listening ear, being understanding in that parenting way, all can be a positive thing. So that is one part of our our ego, that parent ego. The next is our adult. An adult remains as a, a single entity. So it's kind of an accounting function which draws on the resources of the parent or child to create an, an adult conversation. And we'll talk a little bit more in depth about what that means. That's a very important part of our ego, that adult place where we can be and be discerning about what we're saying and why and how in a conversation. The child is similar to the parent. It has four quadrants. So you have an adapted child who can be cooperative and positive. They're adapting to their situation in a cooperative way. Or you can have that non-compliant kind of resistant child who's adapting in a negative way. And if you've been a parent or an aunt or an uncle, you probably have seen that. You have those adapted child's children at times who can be positive and cooperative. And then at times those resistant children really not, not adapting. Then you have the free child, which can be spontaneous and positive. That kind of get out and do something different, use humor to diffuse a situation, or immature, which is that negative free child. Sometimes you'll hear people talk about the not okay child, and that could be either of those negatives there, the, the resistant or the immature. So within each of us, we can see these things come up in a situation you're sitting in a meeting and someone is sharing their idea and automatically you go to the critical parent. That's not going to work because of this and I can't believe you're even talking about that. 
And what happens when we go to our critical parent, we typically trigger someone's not okay child, whether that's resistant or immature. And so they say, well, you don't know what you're talking about. And of course, this is going to work. And they probably even sound childish, especially to us who are in our critical parent. And we're automatically stuck in that communications pattern where there's going to be conflict at a very basal level when we have a parent and child in the room, both of whom are in a not okay place. You wouldn't think about that happening at work, but sit back and watch sometime and you'll see how quickly we go to these places and in a work situation if we're not consciously thinking about staying in our adult. Because for most people, staying in our adult takes some practice and some time and some specific strategies, which we'll talk about here today. These behaviors are very important in understanding how we deal with conflict, how we deal with someone who's approaching us. It it goes right into assertive communication, which we're going to talk about a lot today. Because when you want to be assertive, it's important that we come from an adult place. If we come from a parent or a child, we're most likely going to be either passive or aggressive, or of course we could be passive aggressive. But to be assertive, we've got to understand how to recognize when we're being triggered by someone coming from their critical parent or even their nurturing parent or their their child okay or not okay, and being able to stay in our adult during that conversation so that we can be assertive and not aggressive or passive. And this all comes down to how our worldview impacts our ability to lead, our ability to communicate, our ability to be effective in those roles. And I'll never forget... um, presentation by Deborah Benton. Deborah Benton is an author of books about how to be a CEO, and she's also an executive coach. And she talked about this in a much simpler way, just in terms of how you walk into a room. And just a great framework for understanding our basic approach to life and to others and to dealing with conflict. And I guess I'm going to leave you there on that cliffhanger. And when we come back for break, I'll share her story with you and her her trick for being assertive and owning a room when you walk into it. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. 
Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. The leaders of today have certain characteristics that set them apart as success stories. These leaders have discovered how to lead in ways that transform their organizations. Now you can discover the same concepts, insights, and practices that have led them to success. Inside Transformational Leadership is produced by Georgetown University's Institute for Transformational Leadership. We'll explore how to lead change and transform your own leadership every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you pursuing your passions in business? Is your purpose integrated into your brand? Are you telling your story? Building a thriving business stems from authentic communication that serves your audience, champions big ideas, and generates big impact. Learn how to grow your business in a more meaningful way by tuning into the Soul Show Hour with host Francis Leary. It's more than business development. It's soul and inspiration, too. Listen live every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. Today we're talking about emotional intelligence, specifically a tool that can help you increase your emotional intelligence, transactional analysis. And so we've been talking about the three parts of your ego, the parent, which has that kind of nurturing parent and or the critical parent. And that structuring part of us can be good. We get overblown and we become critical. That nurturing piece can be good. We get overblown with that and we become that that kind of enabler or spoiler. Then we have our adult who regulates that conversation and can be that place where assertive communication comes from. Can also choose when to use the parent or adult approach depending on the conversation and what is needed to get us where we need to go in that conversation. And then we have that child being an important adapted part of our our life where we're used to having to fall in line with someone else's direction in some ways or that resistant child where we don't want to be part of someone else's direction. And then that free part of us that is going to bring the humor and good, good part of spontaneity or be that immature child that can get us in trouble if we find ourselves reacting that way, especially at work. So framework here, kind of simplifying that a little bit, um, Deborah Benton, CEO coach, love her approach here. And really the idea that I got from her years ago during a presentation, very simple, that when you walk into the room, you put yourself on equal footing to everyone in the room. Not above, not below, but equal. Seems very simple, 
And yet most people have a hard time doing it. Think about yourself walking into that room with your leadership team. Are you able to walk into the room and and consider yourself equal footing to them? Or do you automatically put yourself beneath them and create a power differential in the room? Of course, we know that culture and organization and all of those external factors are going to influence that. But what? where are you at when you walk into that room? Are you on equal footing to them in your own mind? And do you act that way? Not above, but not below. Deborah also told the story of her walking by on the street as she was going to a conference and every day she would walk by the same man who was panhandling on the street. And every day she would look at him and acknowledge him, not giving him any money, but just acknowledging him. And on the last day of her conference, the man stopped her and and thanked her for simply acknowledging his presence. And so that was a powerful thing to think about as well, that when we walk into a situation, perhaps where we have that panhandling or even we just walk into a situation where all of our quote-unquote subordinates are in the room, do we put ourselves above them or do we consider ourselves to be at that same level, to be on, are they equal to us? And Eric Byrne had a little bit more complicated way of looking at this. He had four different modalities that people bring to their life, four different ways that you can see the world. And the first one being, I am not okay and you're not okay. So neither neither of us have value. So that might be that you're not just considering the panhandler on the street not to have any value, but you also don't value yourself. So you're both in the basement. I guess you considered could consider that being on the same level, but it's not a good place to be. I'm not okay and you are okay. So you have value, but I don't. That's that walking into the room with your CEO and automatically giving them standing of having value and, and diminishing your own. I'm okay. You're not okay. So I have value, but you don't. Oh, that that slippery slope of putting ourselves above someone else, which typically then leads to aggressive behavior instead of assertive behavior. And then the fourth one being, I'm okay, you're okay. We both have value. We're both equals. And that's, of course, the name of a book in more recent times written about transactional analysis, I'm okay, you're okay. It's a quick read, might be worth it if you're really wanting to dive into improving your communication skills. So to be assertive in our communication, we have to come from a place of I'm okay, you're okay. If we come from a place of I'm not okay and you're okay, we're going to be passive because we don't believe in our own value. If we come from a place of I'm okay and you're not, We're going to be aggressive because we think that we have power over others. You might consider that when you communicate with others, you might be thinking, oh, well, there's a time I might want to do this or a time I might want to do that. But emotional intelligence and 
great conflict management really starts with this basic underlying belief that you truly believe that you and the other person are on equal footing, that you are equals. Not necessarily, of course, in leadership or pay or where you are in the company, but as human beings that you each have equal value, that their ideas are are just as well-intentioned as yours, although they may not be as informed, that we all make mistakes, whatever those cliches are that you want to think through. But the idea that if we really believe every person has value, it's going to be much easier to be assertive, to come from a good place when we're being assertive, and to use our adult, which we'll talk about here in just a little bit. So when we think about assertive communication, assertiveness really is having a conversation where where both people have value, get to state their opinions, um, can be, you know, candid and constructive. When we think about assertive, you know, assertiveness is that constructive, candid feedback versus avoiding it or being belligerent or demanding. When we think about us, like probably negotiating something, you're thinking of solutions that are integrative or, or work for most people versus being aggressive to get what you need or or weak and always giving those concessions. In teamwork, assertiveness looks like egalitarian, openness, engaged, and that can be an important one for us as leaders to realize that being egalitarian and engaged doesn't make us weak. Being passive when we're in teamwork is being silent not giving opinions and conforming. On the flip side of that, being aggressive is that we're confrontational, we're dominant, we're trying to seek dominance. And of course, as an assertive person, you can still have influence, but you're going to do that in a persuasive way, being forthright about your, your aim, your goal, versus when you're trying to influence, but you're being passive, you're appeasing and maybe trying to to be sly or aggressive, of course, where you're bullying someone into doing what you want them to do or going in the direction you want them to go. So this assertive communication can really help avoid conflict in some ways, and it can help, it can help defeat diffuse conflict, but the important thing when we're thinking about transactional analysis is that we can only control where we come from, how we act. We can't control how the other person acts. So this isn't a, I'm going to come from my adult and that will result in them acting differently. We're going to come from our adult and handle the situation in the best way we can and also use our adult to bring in the other parts of our ego as needed to create a better conversation. So simple example, not not work-related, but something that many of us may have faced. You're having a conversation with your 
spouse, and most stereotypically, this is going to be a, a male talking to a female, and the female comes out of the dressing room and says, you know, how do I look in these jeans? And of course, the man could take on many different ego states, right? He could have a critical parent and say, oh, they're too tight or they don't fit well. And we can imagine that that is going to make the woman react from her child state, most likely a not okay child state, um, feeling upset, acting upset, lashing out, whatever that might look like. Then you think, well, that person could act from their child. They could make fun of the situation, which might work. Um, they might have a joke or say, you know, well, you're you're a strong woman. You don't need my approval. Something that makes light of the situation and, and that okay child approach can work in many situations. That person could also approach the situation from their adult and ask a question. How do you, what do you think about them, right? Putting it back to that individual rather than playing into the conflict. And their adult can help them choose which way they want to respond and which direction they want to take the conversation, whether they might use that child state to make light and crack a joke, or they come from that adult and, and ask a good question that shows that they're concerned and that they care, but also avoids the unnecessary conflict that could happen from responding to that question in many other ways. So this idea of assertive conversation, assertive, assertive conflict management is challenging. And I love one of the articles I found gave some very specific, they call them systematic assertive skills. So when we come back from our break, we're going to go through these systematic assertive skills that you can use to have better communications at your work. And we'll be right back in just a few minutes. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career you can have the foresight skills and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities a strategic advantage and career expert marie Simonoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused get found and get hired Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Kless. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel and simulcast at the same time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? 
Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we're talking about assertive communication and using transactional analysis to improve your emotional intelligence and conversations at work. So when we think about our parent, adult, and child, and what those might look like or sound like, before we dive into some of the assertiveness tools, I'm just going to share, you know, how do you know when you might be approaching a situation from one of these states? So the parent, the negative part of the parent, is typically angry, impatient, finger-pointing, patronizing. You can think about that when your parent was mad at you, when they were telling you that you didn't do something right. What did that look like? What did that sound like? And you probably hear that in yourself and hear those words coming out of your mouth and think, oh my goodness, here I am in my critical parent. At work, it may sound a little bit different in terms of the words you say, but the tone is probably not too far off. Your words themselves always, never, for once and for all, that's very parenting sounding, critical or posturing, you know, kind of trying to put yourself in that position to to parent. So when we feel ourselves flipping into that, that critical parent, it's a good trigger to stop what we're doing, what we're saying, and really think about how we might approach the situation through one of these tools we're going to talk about in just a minute. The child is really where our emotions are. And so when you're coming from a child, you feel that sadness, despair, or anger. Um, you might even be whining, which I think we think we don't do at work, but if we listen really closely, we'll see, and you'll probably see this in other people before we can see it in ourselves, and that's okay. Shrugging shoulders, maybe teasing other people, um, maybe laughed, laughing when it's inappropriate, speaking behind someone's back, Um Squirming, you know, feeling that kind of little kid nervousness can be an indication that your your child is being triggered. I want, I don't care, things never go my way, this is the worst day of my life, bigger, best, 
when you're thinking about all of those great impressive words that you're going to use, a lot of times you're coming from your not okay child and compensating for that with trying to prove something through your language. So that child state um, for women may be more emotional for emotional cry for men, maybe emotional anger, being able to recognize when that is being triggered for you so that you can choose how you want to act. And then that adult, attentive, interested, straight, straightforward, non-threatening, non-threatened. Again, as Deborah Benton so eloquently says that you're all on the same level. In the adult, you're going to be asking why, what, how, who, where, when questions. You're you're thinking with a reasoned statements. You're looking at things to see if they're true or false without the emotion or judgment that we typically bring along with those words. Probably, possibly, I realize, I see, and owning your emotions and thoughts by using phrases like, I believe, and in my opinion. So this assertive place, this coming from your adult, can look a few different ways. And as I said, these systematic assertiveness skills, some of them you might practice and see how they work. So the first one is broken record, calm repetition, saying what you want or what you need over and over again, using persistence without rehearsing an argument or angry feelings. You don't have to be up for dealing with, you know, someone who's trying to manipulate you. You're just going to be calm and collected and persistent in what you want. This can't come from either that child or parent place. It won't work. It has to come from that adult place of being calm and collected and fixed in your needs, coming from a a genuine place of understanding what you need, but not trying to manipulate or, or annoy someone with this broken record technique. The second one is fogging. So you're accepting manipulative criticism by acknowledging the probability that there may be some truth in what they say. So usually when someone is criticizing us, there's some truth in what they say, right? We're not perfect. I'm sure we've made the mistake that they're saying. And so we get to be the judge of what we do. Once we can receive criticism comfortably without being anxious or defensive, they they will no longer get the reward for using that manipulative criticism. So if they're going to call us a perfectionist, we say yes, that it, you know, that is an issue that I have. I own that. I get to be the judge of how much that impacts my career, not you. And we take some of that power away from the person who's trying to use that to manipulate us into acting the way they want us to, doing something that that they want, or perhaps giving up so that they can take over. 
whatever their motivation is for that. Pre-information. So recognizing cues by a social partner in everyday conversation to indicate what is interesting or important to them. Once we recognize what they need, we can be less shy in entering conversation while at the same time promote prompting them to talk more easily about themselves. So this is a technique that people talk about in terms of gaining power and influence, that if we know what is interesting or important to the other person, we can give them information, we can enter into the conversation, we can ask questions that get them going on those topics, and it builds our rapport with them, builds our our way of communicating with them because we're saying that we're going to give them a chance to be okay and to see that we're okay. We're, we're all going to be okay here by acknowledging their interests, their expertise in a conversation. Negative assertions, kind of similar to fogging, accepting your errors and faults without having to apologize. So someone's coming at you and they are, you know, hostile in criticizing you or maybe they're constructive in criticizing you and you're, you're going to be comfortable at looking at those negatives in your behavior without feeling dis- defensive or anxious. So instead of denying the real error, you're reducing their anger and, and, and hostility by acknowledging those faults, acknowledging your faults without apologizing. So yes, you acknowledge that you are consistently late to work with a colleague who's, um, you know, that's just, she's got too much on her plate and the people that work with her know that that's maybe just part of what they get when they work with her. And I love watching her interact with people because she acknowledges that without necessarily apologizing for it. Um, It really keeps those equal footing versus when we apologize, we have to be careful to apologize without putting ourselves as less worthy, as less valuable because we have made that error or or have whatever character flaw it is that we have, everyone has them. So apologizing for yours doesn't have to take you to a place where you are less valuable. Negative inquiry, so actively promote prompting criticism to use the information so that while you're prompting your critic to be more assertive and less dependent on manipulation, allow them to voice their criticisms and and maybe even provide a outlet for that so that they can be more assertive in sharing them and don't feel like they have to go around the bush, right? Enable them to use their adult, be straightforward in their communication. Self-disclosure, accepting and initiating discussion of positive and negative aspects of your personality. So being genuine about yourself. People often think that this is going to be a bad thing, that if you do this, it's going to put you in a bad light or a bad place. But it actually does some of the other, the good we've talked about, 
some of these other items doing in terms of if you're acknowledging your positives and negatives, people can't use them against you. And you can come from that adult place, that that assertive place in your communication, because you're you're comfortable disclosing those things. You provide an opportunity for other people to do that as well in in those conversations. And then workable compromise. So using our verbal assertive skills that we were just talking about, when you feel your self-respect is is not in question to offer a valuable workable compromise to the other person. So bargaining, compromising, without having your self-worth wrapped up in the outcome. So when we think about assertive conversation, it really is a function of having a level playing field in terms of everyone having human value as a human they have value and we're not trying to trample them down or we're not trampling ourselves down we're all coming in at an equal footing we can ask things talk about things share without having to put ourselves up or pull everybody else down in order to achieve assertive conversation So we're going to wrap this up when we come back and give you a few last tools as you think about being more assertive in your conversation. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career you can have the foresight skills and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities a strategic advantage and career expert marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused get found and get hired Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune into Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant, and today we are talking about assertive communication. We've talked a little bit about the parent-adult-child and being able to recognize when you are in one of those states and really moving into your adult to handle the situation assertively. So assertive communication, just breaking it down here, five stages. So describing the situation objectively or perhaps even just thinking about the situation objectively automatically requires that we get out of that child or adult state and don't consider that we're above or below others. We're we're on equal playing field. We're looking at the situation as objectively as possible. Expressing our emotional reactions and feelings So we may not express those verbally, but at least being able to recognize what emotions and feelings are coming up for us. I think that this is probably one of our biggest challenges is is stopping and thinking about this, finding a way to slow ourselves down. And as we talked about a little bit last week, give ourselves permission to really understand what, what we're feeling and to look at the negatives, to see that we're not always all perfect is going to be an important aspect of being able to to be assertive in our communication. Empathize with the other's position, a big one, to really be able to put ourselves in that other person's shoes, know where we come from, and also know where they come from. We're going to have a hard time being effective if we don't do both of those things. Then we're offering problem-solving alternatives and understanding what the consequences are of those alternatives. So we see the situation objectively, express our emotions, empathize with the other people, person, and offer alternatives and understand the consequences of those. So that kind of five-step process for assertive behavior. When we're doing assertive behavior, we're going to look at our eye contact. So eye contact is a way of being sincere in our communication. We want to make sure that we're, we're using correct eye contact, not staring the person down, but not avoiding want to talk in a nice, level, clear voice. You know, a a whisper isn't going to work and and neither is shout. Usually when we're shouting, we're being aggressive and defensive. We're going to be more effective when we're relaxed. So if we're able to face the person appropriately, sit or stand, just however we can have some more physical react relaxation versus being tense. If our our shoulders are tense, chances are we're going to have a harder time staying in our adult and being assertive. We want to have appropriate gestures, so making sure that we're not 
overly enthusiastic or or fidgeting in that nervous way. Both of those can be triggers or or be show us that we are coming from either our parent or our child. And of course, this is hard for some of us that if you're expressing anger, we don't want to be smiling or laughing. We really want to make sure that we're being congruent in our nonverbal and verbal communication. And then really being able to express our feelings and honestly accept responsibility for them. It's not necessary to put that other person down to express our feelings. We don't have to blame them for our feelings. We're taking responsibility for them. So here's final thoughts on how that looks. So assertive behavior chooses for oneself, is appropriately honest, direct, self-respecting, self-expressing, straightforward, and looking to convert win-lose situations to win-win situations. Assertive behavior is confident, self-respecting, goal-oriented, and and valued in how they share their feelings. They value others' feelings. And you should be able to be viewed as respected, trusted, and knowing where you stand when you're being assertive. On the other hand, we want to avoid that passive voice and we want to avoid going to that place of being aggressive so in that assertive place we're we're choosing for ourselves we're being honest self-respecting respecting the other confident and just being true to where we stand without making that above or below the other person that we're talking to So this quick tool, something that you can use in your daily interactions, probably start with just watching interactions, yours and others, for when you can see people are coming from their adult or child in that that interaction. How could they be more adult? How could they come from a more straightforward place to address the situation objectively, ask good questions, acknowledge their own biases and emotions in the situation and really seek for an opportunity to come for a win-win, although it's cliche, to acknowledge that everyone is on the same level, that everyone is valued, everyone matters in that conversation and in the decision that's made. That doesn't make you less of a leader. It doesn't make you weak to consider the positions of others and consider the feelings of others and to acknowledge that you have feelings. That's really where emotional intelligence comes from, is your ability to recognize your own feelings, to manage yourself, to recognize the feelings of others, and to build relationships by communicating in a way that honors both your and the other's emotions, needs, and perspectives. 
So we'll be right back here again next week on The Career Confidant. We're going to be talking about ways that you can build your professional visibility here next week on The Career Confidant and scripts that will help you do that. So you can always reach out to me at Marie, M-A-R-I-E, at astrategicadvantage.com. And we'll look forward to seeing you right back here next week on The Career Confidant. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then.